Hello, Courier Nation. Welcome to the Deliver on Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. Each week, we talk about how to make the most of your business as an independent contractor, as a courier delivering for gig economy apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and so many others. Well, hey, Courier Nation, welcome back once again. And uh, before I dig into this week's topic, I want to ask you about something here, or get your thoughts. And I I was thinking of going a very, very different route this week. Uh, What I had planned, um, there was a schedule change. Um, We'll get into that because I'm still going with what I had planned. But, you know, it wasn't as critical that it be done this week. I decided to still go ahead and do it this week. But because of that, I'd been thinking about doing something that was a total change of pace for this podcast. Normally this podcast is about, you know, the business of doing delivery. This kind of, there's maybe a slight little touch of it that would be related to the business of doing delivery, but ultimately it was more like, this is what I did with my delivery last night. And essentially it was a text conversation I had with a scammer. I had uh, something up for sale on Craigslist and I had a scammer that, that pulled this thing about, hey, I don't think you're real. I need to send you a code and let me know. And then you can tell me the code and that'll tell me that you're real. You know what happens when they send you a code to have you verify? What that means is they're trying to break into something in your account or whatever. And so... That code is the verification when they're trying to break in. What they're trying to do is get you to tell them that last piece that they need to finish breaking into your account or whatever. This is how a lot of DoorDash drivers are getting scammed right now. This is how a lot of DoorDash dashers are getting scammed lately. Because what happens is people are trying to break into their DoorDash account. And then when they do that, it'll send a, a uh, a code, a, a two-factor authentication. They send the code to the dasher. Well, they call the dasher up saying, that, you know, pretending to be DoorDash. And they said, we need to verify that you're you. We just sent you a code. Tell us that that's you. So what's happened is they've helped them break in. And next thing you know, all of a sudden, the earnings for the week have disappeared from the dasher's account. And so it was a similar thing to that. So with that scam going on with DoorDash dashers, maybe that's one thing about if I had done what I wanted to do, it might have still kind of fit within that whole business of doing delivery. But when this guy contacted me, his first thing was, are you real? And I knew right away what was going on because of the way that he phrased it. And there were just a couple of things that kind of fit with those Craigslist scams. And I said right away, no, I'm a figment of your imagination. So, well, if you're real, I need you to uh, verify this code. I said, but I told you I'm a figment of your imagination. Three different times I told him I'm not real. (laughs) And yet he said, well, what's the problem with sending me this code or something if you're real? (laughs) I just, and then I just kind of went on and on. I, I just kept texting him, texting and texting and texting while I was doing deliveries. Voice to text on Android is a wonderful thing. Let me tell you that. And so I was real tempted to just play that whole conversation And uh, I thought, okay, that's maybe not quite as, it's not useful information, but it was kind of fun. But maybe it was more fun to me than it would be to anybody having to listen to it. I don't know. But that's kind of where I was thinking of going. Where I had planned to go and where I will go with this episode, though, is talking about quarterly tax payments. I know the other one sounds a whole lot more intriguing, doesn't it? (laughs) Who wants to talk about taxes? Here's here's what what I'm talking about as far as the scheduling thing. 
quarterly tax payments usually go out in April, in June, in September, and in January. Think about the spacing between those. It's not symmetrical. It's three months, it's two months, it's four months, or, or it's three months, two months, three months, and four months in a quarter. This is government thinking for you, okay? But, you know, the thing is, was uh, I think because of the uh, pandemic and because of economy being shut down, the government gave a break. It's the same thing as when they decided to allow people to wait until July 15th to file taxes. And so they're going to say for quarterly payments for first and second quarter, you can wait till July 15th. So originally because June 15th was coming up, I was going to talk about it, but I decided to still go ahead with it because people are still need to start getting ready for it. And basically, if I've got that information out there, then when people are starting to look for that kind of information, maybe it's there for them, you know? So that's why I'll go ahead and go for go forward with it. And most of you are probably thinking, yeah, I kind of wish you'd stuck with the scammer. That might have been more fun. But I will go off on a small tangent here uh, because I always thought this is weird. Why do they do it this way? Well, I dug into it and I found out. So if you're wondering why, maybe you're interested in this. I don't know. But what I understand is it kind of goes back to a day when the government actually, you know, they they decided that they had to actually have money in hand before they spent it. That's been a while. But, you know, they had this crazy idea that you have to have the money. You can't just print it like they do nowadays. Actually, it kind of goes back to the beginning of income taxes that, you know, originally they had that in there and then people could file at the end of the year. Well, the government started figuring out, you know what, we want that money earlier. We don't want to wait until the end of the year. And that's where withholding started happening. That's where they started having the employers hold the money out of paychecks and the employers could send the money in every quarter. And that way the government had access to money throughout the year instead of it all coming in in one big fell swoop, you know? And uh, if you've ever gone between taking weekly paychecks and monthly paychecks, you kind of understand that feeling, right? Have you ever had to do both of those? Because I've had some with the monthly paychecks that, man, I'll tell you what, those those last few days in the month can be tough. And so that's kind of the, uh, kind of what's happened with the government there. So they started doing quarterly instead. And back in the Back in the day, it used to be that normal schedule, April, July, October, January, you know, three months for the first quarter and then April, three months for the second quarter. And then in July, you send that off three months for the third quarter. Makes sense, right? But the government had another problem. They started, and and part of the problem had to do with their budget year. The government's got a little different budget year. Their budget actually runs from October 1st through September 30th. Well, when that fourth quarter comes in on October 15th, that's kind of a problem there because you're at the end of the budget year and it's just like you and I, you know, when you're on those last few days of the paycheck and it's like money's running a little tight and they got to finish up whatever they've got in the budget, but they're out of money. And so they started looking at the fact, but you know what? We got this next little bit of money coming in in two weeks. How about if we move that up a little bit? And that's kind of what they did. What they did was that's that's where the change came in is they decided to make that third quarter be due in September. So that way they had enough money to finish out the budget year. And when they made that change, then they moved the July payment up to June. So now we got three months in the first quarter and two months in the second quarter and three months in the third quarter and four months in the fourth they couldn't go and just make that change to all four quarters. You know, this, this is uncle Sam logic one Oh one. So let's talk a little bit though about those quarterly taxes. Why should you care? You know, 
most of us are kind of like, we don't need to do anything with this, do we? Do we do we owe money right now? It's not so much that you owe money, it's it's that you want to kind of be prepared for when you do owe money. And for some of you, this isn't going to matter a whole lot because maybe you or your spouse has got a good enough job that you're getting a good enough refund that you're not going to owe extra money. Your refund's going to be smaller. You want to be ready for that, but and you're going to owe extra money. Maybe you're one of those people that you drive so many miles that you don't owe taxes on your deliveries. And as a result of that, it really doesn't matter to you either. I'm going to tell you, you're not making as much money as you think you're making, but that's different topic, different time. But here's the thing. The bottom line is when you do deliveries for Grubhub and DoorDash and all these others, nobody's taking taxes out for you. You're on your own because you're running a business. So you are responsible for taking care of that stuff. But you know, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, I don't know how they could withhold taxes for you because everybody is so different. You know, I average, I mean, these last three months, I've been averaging about four tenths of a mile for every dollar I earned. And you got some people that are driving two miles for every dollar they earn. And that, with that mileage deduction, that's a huge swing. So how do you determine how much you're going to withhold from somebody? It's an independent contractor when expenses can vary that much. So that's kind of the thing. And in the end, it, it, it just boils down to we are responsible for figuring out what we're going to owe. And it is up to us then to pay our taxes and to withhold our taxes. Uncle Sam wants that money sooner rather than later. And they've got a requirement that most of your taxes are paid by January 15th. And, and, that, and, and basically the quarterly payments is their way of doing that. There's another reason I think is maybe a little more practical because here's the thing is I really advise, I, I tell people, you've got to save money every week for your car and for your taxes. And I also really think it's a good idea to save some money for paid time off. Another time, another topic. I actually had another topic about that. But the thing is, is I really do advise you keep the money that you save for taxes in a separate account. I'll have a link to the article. It's the last article in a tax guide. And here's the thing is we talk about taxes right now in these quarterly things. I don't want to get into taxes themselves that much. I have a tax guide. Go to entrecourier.com slash tax dash guide, or there's a link in the show notes. And, and there's several different articles that go into all different aspects of taxes for delivery workers. And the last article was about how much should you save? Because I really do think you, you should save that money. That's the first thing you do is you take that money that you're going to have to pay in taxes put that aside. And really you should put it in a different account so that you are not tempted to spend the money, put it somewhere where you're not going to touch it. And the best way to put it somewhere that you're not going to touch it is once a quarter, you send it in to uncle Sam, because once you've sent it in, you can't touch it unless you're getting a refund. And then you get to touch it when the refund comes in. Now, unless of course you're like the government and you can just print money whenever you want to spend something, you know, otherwise you want to make sure that you're taking care of business there. Well, let's ask this question. How do you send in your quarterly estimates? Let's talk about that before we figure out how much, because this is actually the easy part. Now, I didn't think so. The first time that I went to do my quarterly payments, it was as intimidating as hell. I'm going to tell you, it just was. And, and, and I'll tell you what, I've got a link in the show notes um, that uh, to the IRS 1040-ES. That's the form that you send in. And the first time that I got to that form, like I said, all, all the instructions on that, I thought, oh man, this is way over my head. And uh, 
I was like, okay, I'm going to wait. So go read that sometime. Go ahead, read it. I'll wait. Okay, I'm not going to wait because we're on a podcast and nobody wants to sit through that much silence. But I tell you what, you get done reading that and it's kind of like, you need a good stiff drink now. I started going through those instructions and I thought, I'm, I'll pass. I'll pass. I'll, I'll just take my chances on the penalties. You know, thank you very much and we'll move on. But then the crazy thing is when I decided to go through it and I started working through this worksheet and everything like that. And then I got to the point of filling out the form and it's like, why did I go through this so much trouble? Because the form that you send in is tiny. Let me read the form to you. These are the fields that you have to fill out. The amount of the estimated tax you're paying, your name, your last name, your social security number. If you're doing joint, your spouse's name, spouse's last name, spouse's social security number, and the rest is address information. That's it. Here's what it boils down to. The form that you send in when you send in your quarterly taxes is this. Who are you and how much are you sending us? That's it. That's it in a nutshell. You enter your identifying information and then in one box you put the amount that you're sending in and that's it. Folks, the IRS doesn't ask for those worksheets in there. They don't require those worksheets. Their requirement is when it comes to sending in money is that by January 15th, you've sent in all of the money that you're going to send in and they give you about a $1,000 cushion. That's it. How you do it, it's kind of up to you. And really, I found like three main different sources that, that do things. They all do it very differently. And they're all three respected ways of doing things. And so ultimately, you got to find the one that's going to work for you. I'll walk through them. But ultimately, this is what you do. Decide how much you got to send in. Tell the government how much you're sending in. And you send it in. It's that simple. It is easy to do the tax forms. Now, figuring out how much to do, that's kind of a different story. But even that isn't that big of a deal. It really isn't. So how do you calculate how much to send in when you're with Grubhub or DoorDash or Postmates or Uber Eats or Lyft or any of these others? There's a few different ways. Like I said, I looked at three different methods. And honestly, you could come up with your own method. And as long as it's consistent, that's fine. Go for it. Because I think the main thing is you want to make sure that you're sending it in consistently enough and sending in enough that you're not going to have a tax bill when it's all said and done. Here's what it boils down to is you get a feel for how much you're going to have to pay in taxes, and then you send in enough to cover the portion of those taxes for the quarter that you just worked. It's a little more complicated when you got three months, two months, three months, four months, but um, the government, uh, now the IRS form doesn't think it's that complicated. But anyway, here's two elements to your taxes. You got to remember, you've got self-employment tax and that's, that's the big one for most of us. 15%, 15.3% of every single dollar of profit, everything that's left over, all of your money that's left over after your mileage and any other expenses is your profit. And that's what you're taxed on for self-employment tax. That's easy. It's cut and dry. And then you got income tax is a wild card. It is a huge wild card because there's so many things that go into it that it's easy to say the 15.3%, but you got, you know, those profits then added to any other income you might have or your spouse would have if you're doing joint. And of course, that's going to vary based on your deductions. Do you have standard? Do you have itemized? Do you have exemptions? Do you have, you know, all those different things that go into that. And so between those two, you figure out your tax bill. And then you figure out how much is going to be paid towards that tax bill and how much is going to be owed at the end of the year. 
That's the whole idea really behind all of these different methods. And what you're trying to do is figure out probably somewhere in the neighborhood of a fourth of what that final amount is going to be. Get your tax bill, you subtract whatever you think you're going to have withheld, and you subtract whatever you think you're going to get for tax credits. That's about the amount that you expect to owe. And you want to pay enough of that amount each quarter so that you don't have a tax, you know, that you don't owe money at the end of the year. That's the idea between these quarterly payments. And there is no, nothing set in stone that says it's got to be done this way, that way, or the other way. Your job is to make sure you're sending in enough money each quarter so that you don't get stuck with an, oh my God, type of tax bill on April 15th. Now, I think also part of your job is to make sure you're not spend, sending too much money in. I mean, you're, you're free to, because if you send in too much, you get it back as a refund. And refunds are awesome. But refunds also mean that what you did is you just gave Uncle Sam an interest-free tax loan. Personally, I would rather use the money myself. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. So here's the three things that I looked at. Here are the three different ways that I walked through just to kind of get an idea how if it's different very much by the different, you know, kind of main approaches or whatever. The first one, I kind of call it the kind of like your payroll withholding type method. Here's what I mean. Most of us have been employees at some time. You know, you filled out a, uh, a W-2, all that stuff that you entered, or I'm sorry, a W-4, and, you know, it had all the stuff about your, your deductions and what, what way you're going to file and how do you want money taken out. And the more deductions you're going to claim, the less money that's taken out. And... But the whole thing is built around all of these different, you know, formulas trying to factor in all the different stuff that's going to go into your income tax, especially. And so the formulas that are used with your uh, federal, your, your W-2 earnings and your withholdings that go with that are really designed to get as close as possible to the right amount to withhold so that there's as little refund as possible and as little paid in as possible, you know, to get as close to zero as possible. And this method, I guess you would call, is trying to do the same thing with your self-employment earning, you know. And really where I see this happening is uh, with the uh, calculations made by QuickBooks Self-Employed. Now, I use QuickBooks Self-Employed really before I moved into desktop because self-employed is not very flexible at all. But it is a good, simple approach for a lot of people. And you don't have to do any customization, which is good because you can't. But anyway... Um, I have a link to that. Uh, it, it is something that I think could be good for a lot of people. If you want something that's already set up for you and that is going to do exactly what you need to do as an independent contractor, QuickBooks self-employed is very good at that. Now, the link that I have is an affiliate link. It means I'll get a little bit of money if you do end up getting the program and that helps cover some of the costs of running this site or this podcast or any of that stuff. But the thing is, is with the QuickBooks self-employed, what you do is you fill out a tax profile and it includes any other income that you might have as well as your partners if you're do, doing a joint return. And on the webpage that's associated with this, uh, I've got a screenshot of kind of that profile thing that has all the different stuff about your, your marital status. And it's it's really, it's almost like filling in a w, uh, W-4 that you fill out as an employee. You know, you, all the stuff about what... Um, other money is going to be coming in or whatever, and what kind of deduction you expect to have with that. And it uses that then to calculate as close as possible. You know, it, it, it takes your earnings track record and tries to then project forward how much do you, does it look like you're going to make 
if you continue at this pace. And then based on all of this other information in the profile, what does it look like your taxes are going to be? And then they calculate a quarterly payment amount. You click on a menu item there and it's the tax information and it shows you what each quarter ought to be for your quarterly payments. And that helps you really, it's kind of designed to try and be as close to, it looks to me as close as possible to the way you do withholding for an employee, something as close as possible to getting the right amount of money withheld. That's one way you can do it. Second method is, I'll just call it the IRS method. If you walk through and do things based on the worksheets on the IRS form, maybe I should have put that first because that's the one that's in the IRS on the instructions for the 1040 ES. It's not actually a bad method, really. It's It looks more intimidating than it really is once you actually sit down and start walking through it. I think there's a lot of similarity to QuickBooks Self-Employed because it goes through all those same things. What happens is there's actually two worksheets in the instructions. One figures out your self-employment tax and the other one figures out, you know, it tries to take into account your filing status and other income that you're going to do. And so then it tries to figure out what your tax bill is probably going to be. And then it tries to figure out what your withholdings are going to be and what your credits are going to be. And you've got to do a lot of the guesstimation on that. You know, you've got to do the projections yourself when you use the IRS forms. But when you do that, then you know, what it does is it says, okay, this is what you're going to be left owing after all those things are applied at the end of the year. And here's the funny thing about how the IRS does it, because they get really, sim- or they, they, they go through all these different steps and all this stuff, you know, the, the, this intimidating set of questions. And then when it's all said and done, okay, now just divide by four and that's your quarterly payment. And there's no effort to try and calculate that, okay, if you had a lot more money in the first quarter than the second quarter, any of that stuff. And it's uh, maybe when it's all said and done, the IRS method isn't all that different than the QuickBooks method because they're both trying to kind of calculate what your taxes are going to be. I think the difference between the two is that with the IRS, it's just divide by four. And it doesn't matter if it's a two-month quarter or a four-month quarter. There never should be either one of those, but that's, I've already talked about that. But, you know, it's just, they just divide by four. And where QuickBooks does it more proportional to how much you earned for that quarter. So that's the biggest difference is probably more about proportions there. The final method is, well, I'm going to say it's a respected method because it's kind of what I've been doing, but actually it's, it's what Stride does. Uh, I, I know a lot of, a lot of drivers like to use Stride for mileage tracking, but it also can do kind of the essential bookkeeping, just, just the very basic stuff. And, um, it could be a good program for somebody in that regard. I mean, it is as simple as it gets, which also means you can't do a whole lot more with it. But for some people, that's okay. It's a free program. And, you know, so what more could you ask for, right? But ultimately, here's how it works with Stride. <clears throat> is you you enter all the money that you made as you make it. And, of course, you know, you, you track the miles with it. And if you forget to track, you can actually enter the total miles for the day or whatever. And so what it does then is it calculates your profit. It does that subtracting your expenses and your mileage from what you made, and that's your taxable income. And then every week, they give you a total of what your taxes would be for that week. When you look at it, when you actually look at the amount that it gives you, it's very simple. They just say 30% of whatever your profit is. 
Now, Stride is different than QuickBooks because QuickBooks, you can click on a line and it'll give you reports and it'll give you what your quarterly amount ought to be. With Stride, you kind of just have to add up all the weeks in the quarter. And then that's that's what you do. And actually, that's that's pretty much what I do anyway. Uh, I'm a little different. I mean, I'm kind of, mine is a little more simple version. Um, once again, check out the link in the show notes for how to save for your taxes. But what I do is I very simply, I don't go into all the other expenses. All I look at is miles, mainly because miles is the big one. And most of the other expenses that they pale in comparison to the number of miles. And it's very rare that it's much more than that, you know, and, and the thing is that, uh, what I do is I, I calculate for this year is 57 and a half cents a mile times every mile I make. Those are my expenses. I subtract that from what I get. That's where I get my profit. I save 20%. It's a, it's a lot lower than 30% that Stride does. And that's maybe the biggest difference. I'm 20%, Stride is 30%. But I just, I save a percentage of my profit. Stride really you know, recommends doing the same thing. It's just a difference in percentage. And and what you decide is the right percentage to do, that's up to you. That's completely up to you. And, you know, like I said, Stride doesn't do the reports. Mine doesn't do the reports. Here's what I do. I mean, ultimately, like I said, I encourage saving the money, right? So I've got an account for taxes. Every week I take out 20% of my profit. I put that in that account. When it comes time to file the uh, form, how much is in the bank? That's the amount that I put on the form. That simple. And really, it's that simple for three quarters. And then when it comes to the fourth quarter, well, fourth quarter is a lot easier because you're filing it on January 15th. And you already know how much money you made. You don't have to project anymore. And so you're able to kind of tell, this is about what my taxes are going to be. You already know how much has been taken out. And so it's a little easier than just kind of do the calculation based on how much you think if you haven't saved enough, then how much more should I pull out this quarter? So that's a lot easier. But so I don't think it's a bad thing that Stride doesn't do those reports. And if you're doing kind of what they recommend and you're saving that money, then you just take that money each quarter and you send it in and you put that number on the IRS form, send it in. You're, you're done. Now, which method is best for you? I'm going to tell you whatever method is best for you is the one that's best for you. How's that for not saying anything, right? I do that a lot, but there's not a right or wrong here, guys. It really does come down to what fits you the best. There are some people that they want to be really by the book. Well, go with the IRS method because that's as by the book as it gets. And if you want to have something where you're doing something else and you're doing you don't want to have to do as much calculating. You don't want to have to do as much projecting. Then use QuickBooks Self-Employed or something like that, because uh, QuickBooks Self-Employed will do the projections for you and it will come up with a number. All you got to do is just write down the number and use that. And so that might be a good way for you. And for me, I just like the simplicity of the 20% each week because I like to pull the money out each week and, and, and it's just, it's fast and it seems to work pretty well. In fact, 20% has been way more than enough uh, every year and uh, generally don't end up having to do a fourth quarter because it's been enough through the first three quarters. So maybe I should be taking out a little bit less. I don't know. But, you know, the nice thing is at least I've got control of the money this way. 
I really recommend maybe you walk through that IRS worksheet in the, in the 1040-ES just to get a feel for how much you're going to end up having to pay for the year. If you've never had to do taxes before, it's kind of a pain. It's kind of cumbersome, but it can be an eye opener and it helps you really understand where taxes are. I really recommend you get to try and understand taxes as much as possible so you know what is coming. It's kind of how I came up with my 20% number because I walked through that and I found, okay, it's going to be pretty close to that. But, you know, if you walk through this whole thing and you had $24,000 in profit and your total pay-in by the time everything's done when you've walked through that form is about $4,800, well, you know that it's 20%. Maybe it's going to be 10%. Maybe it's going to be 30%. Everybody's going to be different. I honestly don't expect most, for most of us, 30% is really high because, Remember that your tax rate is $12,000 for up to $80,000 taxable income. Most of us aren't going to hit that. And so that's already, you know, higher than what you need. And generally, by the time you're doing other deductions and all those other things, you know, it's rare to be more than 22 or 23%. And so, but here's, here's the main thing that I just want to leave you with. Don't get freaked out by it. Don't worry about it too much. The form is easy. Who are you? What are you giving us? That's it. Who are you? How much are you sending in? It's okay to calculate too little. If you calculate too little, you know what? Maybe the fourth quarter you pay a little bit more or on tax day you pay in. You got a $1,000 cushion there, guys. So, you know, they're not going to penalize you if you're within $1,000. It's okay to save too much because maybe the fourth quarter you don't have to do anything or Worst case scenario, you get a big refund, you know, and, um, but if you're paying attention, I, that's, that's the thing that that's the thing right there. Paying attention. That is the thing that I'm trying to get to. I've been talking about this. If you're paying attention throughout the year, like I said, don't freak out about the quarterly amount, but if you're paying attention throughout the year, you're not going to be in a spot where you get a freak out on tax day because You've got this. You've been following it. Avoid being blindsided. Pay attention now, and you're going to thank yourself later. And folks, if you've sat through all this talk about taxes, well, who are you? You know? <laughs> no, seriously, I do want to thank you for sitting through this. And because it is important stuff. Sometimes it's not easy to address, but it's important to, to be educated and to be thinking about that so that you're prepared. Even if the preparation is nine months before you got to do it, if you're prepared through the year, you're going to be okay. And hey, before I wrap up, let me ask you this question. In your opinion, who's the best company to start with if somebody were to start delivering? That's what I want to talk about next week. So I'll give you a heads up on that. In the meantime, folks, let me ask you this question. Has this podcast been helping you? Has this website been helping you? If so, can you spread the word? Can you let other people know? Because if more people know about this website, maybe that's more chances, more people that we can help to help them become the boss and to take control of their business. And as I wrap this up, that's what I ask you to do is take control, be the boss.